Welcome to San Diego First Church. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And it is just a good morning to be together. We got a lot going on in the life of this church, so just a few things to point out. The first is this. We have, uh, as you can see, installed a new speaker system uh, into Brown Chapel. And with its installation, we have found that it blocks a little bit of the sides of the projector uh, that show our screens. So if you are having a hard time seeing it, or if it's just distracting to you, I would say move towards the middle. You'll be able to see the full screens on either side a little bit better. So if you're having some problem with that, just kind of move on in. Second thing is this. Uh, our kids had all awesome time at camp. Uh, there were 29 kids that went up to camp this last week with uh, sponsors and Jordan and Rihanna were up there. Um, they had a wonderful time. They took a lot away. And one of the things they took away was COVID. Uh, <laughs> four of the kids came back and with, with positive cases and uh, uh, Jordan and Rihanna were exposed. So out of an abundance of caution, we've decided to uh, not have our kids kindergarten through fifth grade um, go off to Children's Church. So there is programming for uh, nursery, and there's programming for pre-K, um, and there's programming for high school and mid-high. Uh, but our kids are going to stay in service this morning. So what that means for us as we worship is to remind ourselves that we are an intergenerational church, and that if kids are making noise and being a little disruptive and wanting to play tag, I guess, like we're just going to join with their spirit and have them be a part of our worship service. And then lastly, we have prayer tables set up on either side of the stage. And this is a place where you can uh, make a physical representation of your prayers. And especially in a time in our nation where there is a lot going on with Supreme Court decisions and a war in Ukraine and all of the gun violence and discussion therein that we are seeing, there's a lot to be overwhelmed with. And for me and my heart, and I, I just feel overwhelmed by what's going on. So no matter where you are, God wants to hold your expression of faith in whatever emotion you find. And one of the ways that we try to represent that is with these prayer tables. Wherever you find yourself this morning, we've come to worship God. And God holds the full spectrum of where we're at. So um, before we begin worship, Andrea, would you read our call to worship? Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrea, and I'll be reading from Psalm 16. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. 
I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Let's stand together. This morning, Lord, we turn our hearts and our minds to you. We choose you today before all other, all other gods, before all other things, Lord. We choose you. May your heart be open to the Lord this day. Breathe in God's grace. Be aware of the gift of life that you have received. We sing with bold confidence in our Lord. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are I believe you are faithful and good Through every battle Through every heartbreak Through every circumstance I believe that you are my fortress you are my portion, you are my hiding place, I believe you are the way, the truth, the life, I believe you are the way, the truth. Your mercies, Lord. It's 
you for paving the way for us, that you have given us an example to look at and revisit in our scripture, to see the ways in which you have loved others, for the ways that you showed us that God is more than just a being, but God is the essence of love, that the way in which we are partnering with one another and restoring your creation, Lord, You are moving within the love. You are moving within the relationships that we have with one another. Lord, we thank you for involving us in your restoration. We accept the call today to love as you have first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We look to you, God. God of justice, Savior to all, came to rescue the weak and the poor, chose to serve and not be served. Jesus, you have called us, freely we receive now, freely we will Jesus, you have called us, freely we receive now, 
soul I give you control Consume me from the inside out Let justice and praise Become my embrace To love you from the inside Lift that up as your prayer this morning to be a church family and pray over our teens as they are headed to Bible study in the FLC. Would you join me in praying this prayer with them? This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ 
to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. And for us, we have the opportunity to pass the love and the peace of Christ to one another. We ask that you would please be considerate of others um, as we are still in a pandemic, that you would be able to treat one another with love and respect and consideration as we pass the peace of Christ. You may do so now. to ask you to finish up those conversations and find your way back to your seat. Oh, I told some friends, friends and family of mine that I would ask this. I was just in Ohio recently, uh, just uh, maybe four or five days ago. Has anyone ever been to Ohio before? Okay, oh, okay, a lot of people have been to Ohio, okay. Um, so I told a lot of people that I was really excited to go to Ohio, and everyone was like, oh, okay, you're excited to go to Ohio. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. Like, I've never been to the Midwest before. It's going to be awesome to see, like, all the fields and all that stuff. Um, and I realized that you really can only be excited to go to Ohio only once, and it was my first time. Um, and then uh, once I left, I missed you all so much. I, I, I was not here last Sunday, and um, while it was nice to be surrounded by some family and friends, I miss the the tradition of my life of worshiping with you all and so i'm just really happy to be here and appreciate such a great church family really so i just wanted to mention that and also pull out the shameless plug that i've been to ohio and it's like pretty good there's oh the barbecue though is incredible though i will say the barbecue in the midwest is really great um i forgot i was supposed to do that in the beginning but it's going to come here now um I want to point our attention to the next couple words we're going to be singing, and these are words that we sing a lot, probably a lot since 2015, 16, when this song, Build My Life, came out, um, and I think we even did it last week, uh, and I think it's really easy for us to mindlessly sing these words because we've done it so much. We've A lot of us that have grown up in the church, you know the tradition of singing maybe the same 15, 20, 30 songs within a year. Um, but what I love about worship music and what I love about the lyrics of worship music is that we can always interpret them in ways that bring new life and new revelation of Christ to us. And I wanted to do this song, but I also wanted to kind of add how I have been um, kind of going through these lyrics as a devotional for me and how I think it actually um, it's not just lyrics about building our life on the comfort of God's love, 
not just building our life in the security of God's love, but I think it's building our lives on the, the call that we have to love. I think it is a reminder that we, we are called to set our lives to the standard of God's love that God has set for us first, that God has first loved us. And it is on this love that we live on. It is the love that we show to others that we want to build our lives upon. It is the firm foundation. Loving one another is the firm foundation of which we are to set our lives upon. And then we go to the next section, which is, I will put my trust in you alone and will not be shaken. I think it really connects well just because I think as we're called to selfless love, it calls us out of self-protection. It calls us out of self-preservation. And I think that's a massive reminder that we need as a church, as so much is going on in the world. Matt kind of explained it in the beginning, but now more than ever, we selflessness and empathy and sympathy for others is, I think, what this world needs and the standard of which we are called upon. So this morning, we're going to sing these words again, but I'd like to just have you be able to look at these words and sing these words in a new refreshing light, whether it is something I just said or maybe something that you're meditating on as well. But would you stand with us as we continue our worship together this morning? And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And I will put my trust in you to live in your way in love pull me in closer close to your heart may I be a pure reflection of who you are love that is patient love that is kind and love that keeps no offenses or wrongs in mind make me like Jesus make me like Jesus my heart is an open space for you to come and have your way
Make me like Jesus. Make me like Jesus. Sing that again as your prayer. Make me like Jesus. Your people, your church, Lord. Make me like Jesus. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. I'm open, Holy Spirit, I'm open. My heart is an open space for you to come. Oh, lead us, we're open. guide us and teach us your ways as we come together as a family, Lord, to hear from your word. In Jesus' name we pray and sing. Amen. You may be seated. Tyler and I had a great time doing announcements last week, so we decided to do it again together. My name is Matt Wilson. As I said, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm Tyler. You said my <laughs> name already, so. Um, we got a lot going on in the life of our church. Uh, first and foremost, we'd love to know that you're here. So we have this great QR code that gets thrown up on the screen. It's also in your bulletin. Uh, this is a great way, yeah, for, for us to know that you're here. But if you want to get on our uh, email uh, list that we send out every Friday, Please give us your uh, email address or any information you'd like. If you have any prayer requests, this is a great way for you to confidentially uh, communicate with your pastoral staff and just for us to know that you're here and, and, and joining us in, in worship. Yeah. Um, also, a couple events coming up in the life of our church. Next week, our 30-something uh, community group will be having their next kind of summer get-together. Um, we had a great time back in May hanging out at Dave and Shelley's house. And next Wednesday night, we'll be hanging out down at Shelter Island, uh, kind of by the grassy area near the playground. So your kids are invited, too. If you've got kids, you want to bring them along. And we'll be hanging out down there from 5 to 8, uh, just playing on the grass in the playground, bring your own dinner, picnic it out with us. And uh, we'd love to have you all there if you're in your late 20s early 40s. Just a great time to hang out and fellowship with one another. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of July, and we have a uh, what we call our morning tide gathering on this Sunday. It's a time where we gather at 9 a.m. in the Ellipse Chapel. Uh, Victor leads us in music. Uh, I will be preaching this week, actually. And I'm really looking forward to that. So would love for you to join us for this time of, of morning time gathering. Yeah, and then uh, two Saturdays from now is our July date for our second Saturday barbecue. So these are out happening every month this summer, uh, June, July, August. On the second Saturday, different families are hosting. I think this month we've got the Martins and the Lebenskis hosting. Um, and so if you'd like to sign up to attend uh, a barbecue on Saturday, July 9th. Uh, this is the last Sunday to sign up because this week we're going to work on uh, figuring out who's going to whose house and sending out emails and invites and details and all that stuff. So if you want to attend in July, sign up today after church. Uh, there's a QR code. It'll be up on the slide here, Second Saturday Barbecues, as well as in your bulletin. Or you can go on our church website or contact the church office and let us know you want to attend. If you can't make it in July, the last chance to go will be the uh, second Saturday of August as well. So use that same QR code and let us know if you want to attend either of those dates. 
This time, would love to invite Blake Nelson up to be interviewed. We've been just doing a series of interviews uh, just to uh, have you know who we are as a, a church congregation. Uh, it's something that we did kind of mid-pandemic was just getting to know each other in the, uh, through a series of interviews. So we're continuing it as we uh, emerge out of this pandemic. So I've invited Blake. Blake is a friend that I met uh, at our years in college and has recently come back. And so Blake, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and kind of what your vocation and family looks like. Hey, I'm Blake. Uh, very glad to be back here. I grew up in this church um, and attended here until my early 20s. My wife and I moved uh, away. We've been bounced around a couple different places for work and school for about the last 12 years um, and just came back. Uh, we now have a two-year-old um, who is probably, who, who might be in your nursery right now breaking all of your stuff. Uh, and my wife is a nurse at Scripps Chula Vista uh, being thrown up on right now by a baby. Um, so the... Uh, but yeah, it is. Um, we're very, very happy to be back. And what do you do for work, Blake? I am a reporter uh, for the Union Tribune. If you've ever wondered who the secret media elite cabal that invented the coronavirus is, it's me. So, I, uh, so we blame you for all of this. All okay. of it. I'll tell Wonderful. you, it's just me. So great, uh, Blake. You uh, you said you mentioned that you were born and raised in this church. You went to the university next door, and you've left and come back. So why come back? The, um, I th two, two reasons. I mean, one is uh, I think growing up in this church is a major reason why both my wife Amy and I are still part of church just sort of in general. It was a very, very healthy, uh, wonderful experience. Um, and so to come back to that and to raise our son in that was something we wanted to do. Um, and having a, a kid is a big part of this too. Um, wanted, very much want uh, him, his name is Reed, to have a similar experience that I did coming up in this place um, with the sort of support system that's here. So, That's wonderful. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you are either learning or lamenting or celebrating in your journey with Christ. Um, I think the, I, I don't think I would have been able to articulate this a couple years ago, but I probably had a fairly strong sense of my own self-sufficiency uh, and my own ability to just sort of handle things um, and having a baby uh, in a pandemic in New Jersey where no family was around uh, shot that down pretty quick. Real quick. Yeah, real fast. So that all burned down. Uh, and um, yeah, it was it was horrible. But the uh, but I, sort of building out of that, I think I have a much uh, healthier understanding of my reliance on both communities like this and Christ. Thank you, Blake. We'll give it up for Blake. <clears throat> At this time, I would like to invite Daniel up to read our scripture for this morning. Good morning. My name is Daniel, and I'll be reading from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 and 37. Through 37, that is. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. 
But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so do, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he put the man on his own donkey and then brought him to the inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will re reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. As we're continuing in the words of Jesus and coming to the parables these last few weeks, I'm reminded again to pray for Pastor D. Because there's so many things I love about our pastor, this incredible humility, his relentless tenderness, but he has fashioned his ministry after the ministry of Jesus. He is just a master storyteller, and that brings the word to us that sticks with us. And Jesus taught this way. And as we come to this portion of Scripture, it becomes, again, a reminder of, for us to pray for D&K during this time of sabbatical as we recognize God's renewing spirit in their lives. Well, Jesus has been teaching, and there has been a man sitting with the others, listening and growing increasingly discontent because he's there not to learn from Jesus, but to test Jesus. The word says he is an expert in the law. Now, if you're a Jew and a lawyer, you have spent your life studying the Hebrew law. And so he comes to Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? If the phrase sounds familiar, it's the same phrase that the rich young ruler brought to Jesus. Matthew chapter 10 also, or Mark 10, Mark, Matthew 19. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The question is framed in such an improper way. The, the basic assumption is there's something I can do to earn heaven. And then the word inherit is a once and for all term in the tense in which it is written. That is, I want a locked guarantee that there's something I can do to have eternity in heaven. It's starting from this wrong assumption of humanism, saying I can do something that will achieve this, when it can only be done in what Christ has done for us on the cross, and our humble acceptance of that free gift. And Jesus answers the question with a question, as he so often does. You're the expert. How do you read the law? He may have motioned to his wrist the phylactery where they would keep the scriptures that they read all the time during their times of prayer, the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself, quoting from Leviticus. 
He says, well, you've spoken well. Good answer. Keep the law. <laughs> but the lawyer won't leave it there because like any good lawyer, he's looking for a loophole. He wants to know, okay, who is this lawyer, or who's this neighbor of mine that I'm supposed to be watching out for? <laughs> who is my neighbor? His assumption was it was his fellow Jews. That's the way he would have answered the question. That's the way he read the Old Testament law. It's the same assumption the rich young ruler made. And Jesus would not let the rich young ruler stop with keeping the law. Oh, yes, I've kept the law all my life. Good, then go and sell what you have and give to the poor. Because the, the hindrance for the rich young ruler was his wealth. The hindrance for this lawyer is his prejudice. And so Jesus tells the story that brings him past his own stumbling block. He knows the lawyer is not sincere, but trying to trap him. Yet for all and for the lawyer, he breaks it down in parable form. Now, the parables are a clear story to reveal one specific truth. And I think the truth that we want to see this morning is the spontaneous love of God and how the spontaneity of God's love for us is to be our pattern as to how we love the others in our world. He doesn't answer the lawyer's question, but he answers the question the lawyer should have asked. <laughs> Not who is my neighbor, but how can I be a neighbor to those around me? How can I live in a neighborly way? Well, let's look to the parable itself. Everyone in the crowd knows the stretch of road that Jesus refers to when he says a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This stretch of over 20 miles, it, it goes down 3,400 feet in elevation. It is desolate. There are switchbacks everywhere. It is a robber's paradise. Every kind of place where you can ambush someone in the midst of their journey. Even 400 years from now, it's called the bloody way, from the time Jesus tells his story. They know this stretch of road. They know it is treacherous. As late as the middle of the last century, tourists were warned, don't go near that area. It was notorious for robbers. So the first impression when the people are listening to the story is, well, the guy traveling alone on that road, he got exactly what he deserved. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get robbed if you travel that road alone. And how many people today use that same excuse not to help people? Well, they got there by all the wrong choices that they made. Jesus doesn't make any point about the wrong choices they made to get there. He says a man was in trouble, and we need to come to the rescue. The story reveals three basic viewpoints of how to live. The first is the viewpoint of the robbers. And their philosophy of life is what's yours is mine, I will take it. And there are a lot of people who live by that philosophy. And it goes beyond just robbery here in Jesus' story. They, they rob him, they strip him, they beat him, they leave him half dead. It is complete disregard for others. And I'm afraid we see it a lot in our own culture, don't we? Complete disregard for the human life of others complete disregard for the rights of others, the attitude of total disregard. I remember John Wesley reported once after he was robbed at gunpoint and came back and spoke to his accountability group. And he said three things about that robbery. He said, I'm glad they took my belongings and not my life. I'm thankful that it was me that they robbed and not someone else. And thirdly, I'm thankful that I was the one who was robbed and not the one who was robbing someone else. And I think in the midst of Wesley's deductions from this, we see that 
there are those who will wrong us, but it is better to be wronged than to wrong others. And we have plenty of crime in our culture, some physical crime like this, some what we cry, call white-collar crime, where financial schemes and identity theft and scams on the elderly. And it's the same philosophy of life that says, what's yours is mine, and I will take it. I will justify taking it because I need it, and you have it, and no other regard for the person for whom they am taking it. Well, Jesus moves to the second representative in the story, the priest and the Levite. And their philosophy is, what's mine is mine, and I'll keep it. More socially acceptable, <laughs> but they're stoic and uncaring. They come by, and Jesus' listeners understand, okay, these guys have excuses. There's dangers here. The man there beside the road, bleeding, may be a decoy. This was a common use practice by robbers that they would, somebody would act hurt and they would come to help and the others would pounce on them and they would be hurt as well. Some have rationalized, well, maybe the priest was on his way to Jerusalem and he was going to serve in the temple and he'd be defiled if he touched a dead body and he couldn't serve in the temple. But in Jesus' story, he says very clearly, the priest was coming down the road to Jericho. Doesn't matter if north or south, if it's elevation or anything else, you always go up to Jerusalem and down from Jerusalem. Jesus says he's coming down. It's not as if he is going to serve at the temple. He may have just come from serving at the temple, in which case he should have been all the more sensitive to the needs of someone beside the road. Well, the Levite comes by as well, the priest's assistant. Same excuses. It's like Jesus underlines the foolishness. In case you didn't get the point when the priest came by and ignored him, the Levite also came by and ignored him. These were the ones that should have been their heroes, the ones who should have acted with mercy toward the one in need. And then Jesus comes to the Samaritan, whose attitude is what's mine is yours, I will share it. But more specifically, the attitude is what's mine is God's and therefore it's yours, and I will share it. God has made us stewards of his goods. They're not ours. They are loaned to us. They're to be used for him. And if I have given my life to Christ, if I have given him my resources, my time, my abilities, everything that I have, then they are used for others to be shared. And the Samaritan takes the time, the risk, the expense, and he goes well beyond the minimum concern. And so as the crowd is listening to Jesus' story, no one is prepared for this surprise ending. The heroes that they expected had been negligent, but they figured with some kind of excuse. But the real neighbor is this hated Samaritan. Now this goes well back into their history. Remember the, the times of exile where the northern kingdom where Samaria was, was taken into exile into Assyria where they intermarried with the Assyrians and where they took on the relationships with foreign gods and completely were untrue to their faith. Whereas the southern kingdom of Judah goes off into Babylon and we have all these hero stories of Daniel in, in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and how they won't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol and how they stayed true to their faith even in exile. Well, the southern kingdom comes back with this spiritual pride that we stayed true and now the hated Samaritans in the north are the ones who diluted their faith and did not stay true to Yahweh. And so the Samaritan compromise made them impure. They did not even 
intermingle at all. They built their own temple where they worshiped. You can read Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria and all the things. Jews would go hundreds of miles out of their way not to pass through Samaria. There was actually a, a prayer of the Pharisees where they thanked God that they were not born a Samaritan. How horrible that would have been to have been a part of that culture. And so Jesus' purpose here is to break apart the deep prejudice, the lawyer's greatest hindrance to eternal life is not acting as a neighbor. And so the parable's one major point and why it's today's focus is this spontaneous love that God shows to us and we are to show to others. Jesus is the ultimate example and demonstration of God's spontaneous love, how he comes to give his life for us that we might have eternal life. So let's contrast that spontaneous love with the calculated neglect of the religious in the story. We have in the story the one who is wounded. We have the wounders, the robbers. We have the bystanders, the priest and the Levite. And we have the healer, the Samaritan. And so we must ask, who is the man in the road for me? Who is it that I am to be a neighbor to in the midst of my walk with Christ? might be a family member, might be a friend, might be an enemy, might be a fellow worker, a boss, a co-worker, a church member. For whom do I need to overcome prejudice in order to help in the name of Christ? He calls us to service. We can be wounders or we can be healers. If I could just make some random observances here. In verse 31, it says the priest happened to be going down this road. I'm not a big believer in coincidence in the Christian life. I think there are incidents that God creates for us. The word says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he creates in advance good works for us to perform. I just need to be aware of what God has laid out before me, of how I can serve him, of how I can glorify him day by day. He will send us to the needy. He will give us opportunity. But the spontaneous love, that's up to us. Will I respond to the opportunities that he gives me? People in need are not a burden. They are God's gift of opportunity, whether it's our children, whether it's our youth in school, how they share that love with others around them, or us as adults. We must be available to God and to act. It's easy to get excited about our faith when we're sitting in a worship service, but where it really is lived out is people in need, faith in action. Lucy's old line to Charlie Brown, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand. <laughs> it comes down to interaction with people, real people, on an everyday basis, what God calls us to serve. And the only way to meet the limitless demands of people in need is to surrender ourselves to the limitless love of God. We don't have the strength in ourselves, but if he is living through us, he empowers us. We talked when we were talking about uh, Jesus' encounter with Satan and temptation, that he knows how much we can take. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. But he also knows the limits in what we can give, and so he will challenge us to give. And if he has given specific opportunity and specific burden to us, that's his faith that we can fulfill the call he has given to us to serve. It takes more energy to calculate who I can and can't help than to just let God's power take over and help the people that he brings across my pathway. I remember years ago, it was my first church. I was fresh out of seminary in the middle of the 1970s. 
And my wife and I encountered a girl in our first church in great need, caused a great deal of stress to us, began to demand our attention constantly. She would call us in the middle of the night. Uh, In public places, she'd create a scene and yell out to us until we gave her our undivided attention. Very demanding. When she wanted something, she wanted it immediately and exclusively, it seemed, from us. But we never asked her to leave us alone or to bug someone else or never tried to get even. After all, she was only a couple months old and she was our daughter. (laughs) It's kind of a manipulative way to get to the point. (laughs) She's now 46 and the kindest person I know and I'm excited because I get to see her this week. But we gave love to her freely because we loved her. And the word says, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. Would I ever hesitate to give love to Jesus? There's a book on my shelf all through my ministry, a picture of a homeless man on the front, and the title was, If That Were Jesus, Would You Give Him Your Blanket? A reminder to me that always, when we serve, we are serving Christ. We serve out of a heart of love. Can we complain when serving Jesus? (laughs) God will send you, and the one he wants you to love, you will love in his name. Another random observation here is in verse 34, it says, The Samaritan went to him, went to the man who was injured, who was bloodied beside the road. He put aside the danger, he put aside the inconvenience, he put aside the time commitment, uh, the personal mess of binding up his wounds and caring for him, The financial loss, he gave the man at the end two days' wages and promised him more when he returns from his business trip. If you read between the lines, a Samaritan in Jewish territory who is trusted when he says, I'll pay you the rest when I come back by, the inference is he's done this before. He is trusted in this situation by the enemy in enemy territory. This is a person who has shown love. It has a reputation for helping. Well, back to the lawyer. (laughs) Okay, Jesus says, who acted as a neighbor? And the poor lawyer, he can't even get the word Samaritan out. He can't even say the hated word that Samaritan would be the hero of the story. He says, I suppose the one who showed him mercy. Go and do likewise. Did Jesus think that lawyer was going to go and immediately act that way? Was that really for him? I think those words are for me, for anyone else who reads this story. Go and do likewise. Go and be a neighbor. Go and reach out to those in need. The wounded of the world are our focus, and spontaneous love is our goal. So let's stay focused on the need and the goal and who we represent in Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 10, just as Jesus is sending the 12 out to minister, he says, freely you have received, freely give. My favorite quotes by Phineas Brzee, one of the founders of our church, says, I am debtor to every man to give the gospel in the same measure that I have received it. We have received that gospel freely, and we are to give it freely. The question is not, who's qualified to be my neighbor? Who should I help? 
The question is, will I act like a neighbor in the name of Jesus? The proper response of Jesus being my Savior is that I would respond in service. We talked about this before. Nowhere in Scripture does it say, God has loved you, therefore you should love God. It says, God has loved you, therefore you should love each other. That's how we demonstrate our love for God, when we reach out to those around us. It might be the poor. It might be the homeless. It might be the hungry. It might be the refugee or the imprisoned or the elderly. It might be the sad or the depressed or the grieving. If you have trouble finding some place to serve, call the church office. We, we will put you in touch with other organizations in town that we partner with that are meeting the needs of people. We are called to serve. I want us to really meditate at the close of our study this morning on the words of the song, Randy and Emily, his sister, are going to come and play for us. A song that Emily uh, has, has written is orchestrated here. When I think of the gifts of God, I think of Randy and his family. We heard, heard them play yesterday with another group. Randy played three or four instruments. Emily plays in the Mississippi Symphony. And with this arrangement, the words will be on the screen. Meditate on these words that Jesus spoke. Freely you have received, freely give.
Amen. Let's pray together. Father, the message is clear to us. The song says all power is given in your name, and so we go in your power to share that love. You have filled us with your spirit. You have given us your love and instructed us to take that love to others. When you entrusted the church into the hands of the disciples, you said, all authority has been given to me, therefore you go and make disciples. We go in your name. We share your love. We do not want to be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So, Father, I pray that you'd put a burden on our hearts as we leave your house today. That we come to worship, but we go to serve. And as those opportunities cross our pathway, remind us that you have prepared those in advance and that you will give us the strength to meet the needs with which you have burdened us. Make us more like you in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in God's peace.